Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers and today we've got a show for you. We got our three normal themes. First one. We're going to be talking about the energy and the attitude that seems to pervade uh, Egan right now. And will that translate into different results? Let's hope so. Second thing we look into is what are the odds? Well, first time quarterback or first time head coach, mind you, making the Super Bowl. It has happened before, so you know what that means. There's a chance. <laughs> and thirdly, we're going to do a quick hit segment where we're going to hit on a couple different items. First off, Darren's favorite topic, Irv Smith. And then secondly, <laughs> the whole saga and drama that happened this week with Kellen Mond, his dad, and uh, about Mike Zimmer. But until then, enjoy the rolling. and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Boom! And we're back. How are things in the Great White North there, Darren? Warming up, Dave. I actually walked around in shorts this week for the first time in eight months. Actually, longer than that. Wow. It must be above freezing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not a whole lot above freezing, but it's all perspective. Yes, it is. Because I remember being in North Dakota and it come out in the spring and it was right around freezing and we'd take out the garbage in our shorts and slippers. There might yep. be six inches of snow, but it was freezing. It was right above freezing and it felt warm. So it is about perspective. And so is your Minnesota Vikings. And we'll get into that. We flip over to this trusty scene. I see Drew has joined us. Good afternoon there, Drewster. Hope your hockey went well this so far this weekend. I don't think he has a rooting interest, Dave. The 
Sharks are long gone, but uh, he's, he's a hockey fan, true and true, and he just enjoys watching good quality hockey, of which there has been plenty lately. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Our first theme we're going to start out is we're going to talk about the attitude, the uh, excitement, the whole vibe that's going on at Egan is the good thing. It's a bit of a play on David. The uh, talked a few weeks ago about the, you know, everything is awesome vibe. That's was permeating uh, from the new head coach and the new GM. And uh, this was before the, the draft occurred, but uh Hasn't really slowed down. I found uh, since they got into OTAs, the the the, I mean, the the positivity is still there. You got uh, Viking vets who've been around the team a while, uh, raving about Zadarius Smith, the big free agent signing, and how you know he's a guy that he's his attitude, his energy, his positivity is infectious during practice. You got Dalvin Cook talking about how practices are fun again. You got other vets raving. By complimenting Kevin O'Connell and uh, and the the staff about being very uh, you know about the, again the positive energy the good vibe that's going on again everything is awesome uh, but uh, and that's good uh, but will it translate what is it going to mean on the field will it translate into wins and uh, I don't know you don't know everything looks good now because there haven't been any games played we haven't blown any leads and lost games in horrendous fashions uh we have we've had no major injuries so far yeah no major injuries no no off the field stuff to to that they have to talk about and deal with but i i guess you know i still i really want to see where this vibe takes us i think that you know if you it i don't have any stats to back this up but i think you and a few of Drew will certainly agree is that it seemed like the last two years, particularly the Vikings came out at games and a lot of times they came out, they didn't look very sharp. They looked like they didn't have a whole lot of energy or purpose. They had pretty like stagnant, slow starts. It would cost them early in the game. They'd get behind or not really have that fast start you want to have. And I am interested to see whether the, the positive energy that with the, the the players that look like they want to be there, they're enthused about the new coach, whether that can result in, in better starts. Um, again, no stats to back that up, but that's what it felt like to me. And, you know, if you, I used to watch, I don't know if you did Dave, but I, I like to, sometimes I like to watch the post game videos that the Minnesota Vikings, uh, webpage would put on after games where Zimmer's talking to the team after a win. And I've found that those um, videos were like very awkward. <laughs> like like Zimmer would kind of put in kind of a half-assed, not very inspiring, like uh, post game after a big win. A lot of the, some of the players look like they're not paying attention. Uh, mute, very muted celebrations, not a whole lot of hooting and hollering. At least that's how I remembered it. And, and you know, it just, it, you kind of made you wonder like if the team really did they like their head coach did they enjoy playing for their head coach were they listening to their coach did they did they enjoy what they were doing and I, I felt like to me like they didn't and I think that 
you know, if if you're going into a game and if they're like that after a big win, what were they like before the game? <laughs> you know? It's a great question. And, you know, and we saw it too many times. Drew and I commented on it. You know, the offense might start out well because it started out on its first, first 15 scripted plays, right? Then it usually fall asleep. The defense, oh, for so many times would allow – the opposing team just to drive down. And it was like, oh, we're going to see what they're up to type deal rather than be aggressive. And they'd usually score. It drove us absolutely bananas. And there didn't seem to be the enthusiasm in the last couple of years that there was in the first chunk of four years that, you know, in a post game, even if they won, it was like great victory guys and everybody's doing their own thing or whatever. And it wasn't – you didn't have that feel. And maybe with, you know, Kevin O'Connell and Quasi, that's coming back. There's a bunch of factors that we go into why it didn't go well. We've discussed them ad nauseum, but we do know that it wasn't for lack of trying, you know, on the coaches' parts – or the front office parts, they just, turns out they didn't see eye to eye and believe all in the same things, and especially on how to get things done. Yeah, David, I wonder, you know, if, you, if you've, if somehow, if the, I'm not saying, you know, rah-rah speeches by the coach after the game or before the game or by the players or if they come out breathing fire i'm not saying that that's going to always lead to a fast start and 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 on both offense and defense and get the vikings out to a quick lead and get them going in the right direction from the get-go and i'm not saying that that's going to lead to a 17 and 0 season in 2022 but i do feel that that if you are, if, if the team is coming out with more energy, if they're flying around from the get-go, if they really believe in what they are doing, then maybe that makes a difference of a three to seven point difference at the start of the game. And the Vikings lost a lot of close, uh, played a lot of close games last year, and they lost more, a lot more than they, the majority they lost compared to they they won. And maybe that three to seven points when you your team is coming out breathing fire and pl- flying all over the field, maybe that turns you know three or four of those what were losses into wins and you know that's what kind of what i want to see from see if the positivity if the the vibe if the players who are buying into what the coaches are are teaching them and saying to them and and uh, you know and how they're dealing with them whether that really that does have kind of is that extra sauce that that's extra missing ingredient that we seem to be missing last year uh, and the last two years. Uh, I'm interested to see how that all turns out. And, and I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the Vikings, the first six games, they have an opportunity with the, the slate of teams they're playing to get off to a good start like a four and two potentially five and one start that and if you get that kind of start with the new coaching staff I think that's going to carry uh carry this team a long way uh but uh and again maybe the the vibe the energy if they can keep that up and start games fast in the beginning that'll be uh you know a bit of a, a difference maker in the Viking season 2022 compared to the previous two we hope so I, it's I, we can't put up with a couple more years of the same old same old 
Um, it just, Mike seemed to get, you know, grumpier and older as everything went. He's human, right? Um, yeah. He, you can't say he didn't care because the man put in 18, 20 hour days and lived in the facilities trying to figure out ways to win. But the but way all head he went about do these days. Yeah. But, but some of the ways he went about it and some of the personal vendettas that seem to have come out since uh, point to human fail, uh, frailty. Uh, what's my word? Frailties. Uh, frailties. And, uh, and some bad juju that went up. And, of course, we know when it started. We dissected this 100,000 times. And it, it's a shame. But you were right. I'm, look at that smile. Look at those smiles. Look at how they greet each other, you know, when they see each other every day. If that oozes out to the rest of the team like it appears to be doing, you have positive energy rather than the, you know, the grumpy old man that walks down the hall with a get-off-my-lawn type look on his face. And uh, it's much more pleasant to be at work, and you want to be there. And as... Calvin Cook said, it becomes fun. And it should be fun. It's a game. They are playing the best game uh, in the world, right? At the highest level, making the most money. And it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, good one, Drew. Uh, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne in charge of a spelling bee, you know, put Clint Kubiak in charge of the offense. There's been a couple of comments made already about uh, the lack of confidence that the fans, that the people watching here had in, in like Clint Kubiak as their offensive coordinator and even the defensive coordinators, which were, uh, again, Zimmer's son and then <laughs> Andre, <laughs> and Patterson's Andre Patterson. Son. Yeah. yeah, the whole. And uh, yeah, so the, the clean slate going on here, and I and I agree that uh, especially on the offensive uh, coordinator side, that uh, you got O'Connell and Wes Phillips, and the success that they had working with Sean McVay in Los Angeles the past couple of years. That you know, I feel I feel a lot better about them handling the offense than I do with Clint Kubiak because you know. Zimmer wasn't helping Clint Kubak a whole much on, on offensive play calling or anything like that. Cause you know, we keep on hearing he didn't care about the offense uh, or care about the players who were playing on the offense for that matter. Well, I'm sure he cared about some of them, but we'll get, yes. into, yeah, 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 we'll yeah, get into yeah. why some of that is uh, Tom put up Zim and Norv totally wasted Cordero's uh, career in purple. Yes. They did not utilize. And it comes down to a philosophy. If he could, they wanted him to run routes and run yeah. routes well. And that just wasn't Cordero Patterson. Yeah, was he a great kick returner? He's an awesome kick returner. But he couldn't run routes well, so that stuck him in the doghouse instead of trying to figure out. And this goes from Zimmer's stated philosophy that he learned from his dad, where you take the best thing of the players you have and you mold around that. Well, if they would have molded around what Cordero Patterson does is when you hand him the ball, he's dynamic, and use him that way, he would have had better results. And I think he got stuck in that. Uh, Purple Haze asked, why didn't uh, Wilfs take control of the debacle? Purple Haze, from what I'm being told, they were basically absent owners for the most part of last year. They hadn't a clue that the GM and head coach weren't talking for months. 
And that's a ginormous red flag. I mean, there should have been somebody in the building, a janitor, a secretary, or somebody that called up Mark and Ziggy and said, hey, we got a problem here. And that never seemed to happen. So, eh. But who's going to make that call, David, right? Like, the, I don't think, the, you know, if, if uh, obviously Rick Spielman's not going to call and, and uh, the Wilfs and say, you know. No, that's why I'm saying it's got to be like a secretary or yeah. um, a, even a janitor, somebody, somebody on the press side, somebody in there, you know. It could be on the, the business side of the building, you know, uh, Brzezinski. Somebody yeah, like that call up and say, hey, there's shit that's not going right here. I don't want to speak out of turn, but. Or shit, send an anonymous email. I don't care. Something should have been done to tell the Wilfs that this was an imploding disaster last year, and they didn't find out. They were surprised at the end of the year. Well, that says, now, obviously, they're busy with their soccer team and all their other investments and this and that and everything else. But when your crown jewel investment, right, the one thing that you aspire and are lucky enough to own, being one of 32 teams in the NFL and one of 31 that are owned by an owner, that's something that, you know, granted, you have all these other interests that you're trying to foster and trying to earn money and trying to do things and trying to grow and everything else. But I'd still take that one, and that one would be my glass case, and that's the one I fucking polish every day, <laughs> right? Make sure it's dusted, looks pretty, has the perfect lights on it. And if there's anything, you know, fractionally wrong, I'm calling up to find out why. And it just didn't it did- seem to happen. No, and... uh we don't know the insides and you get a bit more intel than I do, Dave, on the inner workings of the Vikings, but you brought up Rob, Rob Brzezinski and it's a bit surprising that if that didn't happen, that he didn't speak up about it because he's a long tenured guy in the Viking front office. You think he'd have well the, trusted, you know, well yeah. trusted, well respected, does a great job at what he does. And you think that he would have the, like he would have the, you know, he would have the, uh, can't I'm not finding the word, David, but you would think he would have the uh, the the, the personal respect. pride at least, you yeah. know, and he saying, "Hey, I'm part of this. I want him to see it go well." And I think that he would have the the confidence that he could uh, talk to the Wills, uh, frankly, so. about something that, you know that serious that the GM and the coach weren't on speaking terms and weren't aligned in just about anything they did when it came to uh, getting players. So. Uh, unfortunate situation, and it certainly uh, led to the demise of both Rick and uh, Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you, you know. I think, like you said, the Wills found out late, and they're probably like they may have not had any intention of firing Spielman. But after maybe they they felt Certain that things came out on a quick investigation, and it was like, no, yeah, he's gone to. Yeah, like if we can't trust this guy to tell us something this serious, then we have to get rid of him as well as the head coach. The head mm-hmm. coach isn't the only problem here. So, yep. uh, but uh, they, you know, they, they did do those things and we've got the new regime and we're hoping for better results from them. Now on the theme two, theme two, we're talking about K 
Can Kevin O'Connell make the Super Bowl? What are the odds of a new head coach doing just that? The odds are not very good, David. Um, there's only been two rookie, uh, two first-time rookie head coaches in the history of the league who since won the Super the Bowl Super- era. Era. Since the Super Bowl era that, that have won it, and that was 1970, a guy named Don McCafter, Cafferty, who I'd never heard of. And then, uh, and then it was George Seifert in 89, who had like a stacked, ridiculously stacked <laughs> team that he took over. Uh, other than that, um, you know, no rookie head coaches have won a Super Bowl. And since 2008, only one rookie head coach, that was Jim Caldwell, have, have even made the Super Bowl. And Caldwell lost lost that time to, uh, unfortunately, the, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they the, the Colts should have actually been playing the Vikings, but uh, those cheating mm-hmm. bastards, the Saints, <laughs> stole it from us. Um, and, and even just getting to the playoffs, David, is, is hard for rookie head coaches since yes. 2008. It's like only 27% of rookie head coaches, first-time head coaches have made the playoffs. I heard it was just over 25%, but we're in that same yeah, ballpark. Yeah, we're in the, and, yeah it's and, rough. and very few of them get out of the wild card round, if that. So difficult times, but is is Kevin O'Connell going to be the guy that uh, kind of bucks that trend? Oof. And uh, Vegas doesn't think very much about the Vikings' chances of winning the Super Bowl. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a reason why rookie head coaches, I think, uh, struggle to make the playoffs, and that's because they're inheriting a team that was bad enough to get the previous head coach fired and are often in a rebuild mode. And when and, I talked about this on Wednesday, I was trying to think off the top of my head which possible rookie head coaches made it. I came up with Barry Switzer. I looked since. I'm incorrect. Barry Switzer made it in his second season after taking over. Now, we talked about uh, Don McCafferty, who's pictured here. Who's his quarterback? That uh, was a uh, what was his name? Maddie? No, Tom Tom Maddie. I'm forgetting. It wasn't yes. Johnny Unitas. I no, know that. That is Johnny Unitas. Was it? Yes, because he you- came in. Don Shula had left to go to Miami. Don McCafferty McCafferty came in, inherited Johnny Unitas as his quarterback for that next year's Super Bowl. This then comes Seifert in the 70s. Seifert comes in. He's already got Super Bowl winning San Francisco, right? They just, Bill Walsh Walsh retires. He takes over. Who's his quarterback winning the Super Bowl? (laughs) You see him. You see him. (laughs) Joe Cool. Joe Hollywood. Yep. Joe Montana. Now, you look at Johnny Unitas, and you look at Joe Montana, both at the point in their careers where they were considered great quarterbacks, right? Future Hall of Famers. We do not have that. Well, there is... Even Jim... Even Jim Caldwell, right? He had Peyton Manning (laughs) as his quarterback. There is some hope. Um, Is Kirk Cousins, Johnny Unitas, or Joe Montana? Obviously not at this point. Could he be a late bloomer or develop into it? If Kevin O'Connell can unlock that. And the 
other key things to those guys coming in on their rookie seasons was they had they came into teams that were already built up, right? They didn't come in, like you said, at a complete rebuild mode. Their teams were already pretty much built up when they came in. I talked about Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer, even though he didn't make it his first year as a head coach, made it his second, came in on that legendary Dallas team with Troy Aikman as his quarterback, built up by Jimmy Johnson, and that was ready and raring to go. This team, um, this team came in with uh, the Vikings came in pretty much built up. You can question that on the defensive side somewhat, because over the last two years, um, I'll take your word for it, Drew. The uh, Getty images I took it off of said it was Johnny Unitas. But you could be right. Um, and according to Pro Football Focus, it was Johnny U that won the Super Bowl. Um, but this team is pretty much built up. Yeah. The, which the Vikings comes, are not, are not they, in a rebuild. They're not, like O'Connell it, is not inheriting that kind of a team. Right. Which gives him a better opportunity more than the there's 275 coaches that came in since the Super Bowl era as rookie head coaches and two of them made it to the Super Bowl for a 0.7 percent um, success rate that's 0.7 percent so it's it's minuscule but a lot of the key factors that contributed to the two that did i.e the team being built up prior. Now, mind you, like I said, there were some deficiencies on the defense. I'm sure there were some deficiencies on the Colts and deficiencies on the Niners at the time. There is the possibility if Kevin O'Connell can unlock this guy's brain, right? We know he has the physical talents. If he can do that, there's the possibility. And if and it's not yeah cousins if cousins is as good as as a lot of fans think think he is even as good as we think he is at some times you know if Dalvin Cook is as good as we think he is if if Thielen if Justin Jefferson are as good as we think they are if Eric Kendricks if Daniil Hunter if Zadarius Smith if those guys if you mention those guys names to most football fans they know who those players are and they would say they're pretty good players and Viking fans certainly know who they are and they think they're pretty yes. good players like if if those guys are all as good as we think they are and we've got a new head coach New offensive scheme, new defensive scheme. Again, the positivity and the and the vibe coming. Uh, some players ready to emerge again, and 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 a different approach on how to relate to players and game plan with players. If you know that all that all translates gets the most out of the the roster, including these star stud players that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that again. Maybe that is the secret sauce that allows the Vikings to. To not only to either you know get to their first Super Bowl since 1976, which was a long, long time ago, or at least be able to be competing to get in there seriously, competing for the first time since 2017. Mm-hmm. You know that's what that's what 
Kevin O'Connell represents right now. Like you said, the odds are very, very long that he is a rookie. First-time head coach is going to get us to the Super Bowl and win it. But uh, it's happened, and you know, you know, you know, it could happen again. And maybe this is the the year. Kevin O'Connell is the guy who can do that. He certainly knows what it's like to win a Super Bowl. He just did so, right? Uh, so yeah, there's a chance. There's, there's always a chance. a chance, but I but I, I certainly feel there's more of a chance this year uh, than there was the previous two because what was going right. on the previous two years was not working at all. Yeah, you had dysfunction getting worse over the last yes. years. Now I hey, I hope so. I hope for you, me, you know, Drew, Joseph, Jim, Jonathan, everybody that's watching, I hope so. We hope that this year is the year that we see a Vikings helmet parked in front of the Lombardi. You know, hope, positive vibes. Attitude, yes. Energy, woo-hoo, yes. Woo-hoo, yeah. You know, it all ties back. And is there a possibility? Oh, yes. Especially the way the NFC is set up that we get there. So, uh, as Drew says, let's go. Let's win this. Absolutely, Drew. Absolutely. That brings us to my next favorite subject, Lake Monster Beer. Lake Monster. It is getting warmer in Minnesota. However, you'll see. During the OTAs, sometimes they come out in jackets because it's cold. Sometimes they come out in T-shirts because it's hot. It's in that spring range where it's doing this thing. It's also the perfect time to quench your thirst. And if you want a good time, go to St. Paul, Lake Monster Brewing. It's right across the river from Minneapolis. You can go to their the brew hall, have some of the best beer out there. They just came out with a new one this, uh, um, this week I saw on tap. Shot a friend. It is a dark ale. Comes in at a ten percent ABV. Ooh. It is, and it is bourbon is strong barrel aged. And I'm telling you right now, um, uh, Matt Lang, who's the brewmeister, I can guarantee that is outstanding. The one thing that goes with a perfect bourbon aged ale is a good cigar. And you can sit there out there in the common area outside, you know, enjoy a great stick and a great beer in just the night, and it will be the best you ever had. I guarantee it. So, hey, like I said, Lake Monster rocks, and we appreciate them supporting Climbing the Pocket. Thank you very much. Probably a good place to go visit on your Memorial Day weekend, David. Yep. Hey, if you want to salute some of the fallen, absolutely. Raise a pint and salute. They would have it no other way. On to theme three. Like I teased, uh, mob beer. Trust me, Purple Haze, a 10% ABV dark bourbon-aged ale is not a mom beer. Um... You'll be calling for your mommy if you drink too many of them, probably. Yes, you will. (laughs) Uh, What else goes great with a cigar? Bourbon D. You got that right, but that's – if you like beer and bourbon, try Lake Monster. It's awesome. If if you're not there, Joseph has a a good thing. Go bourbon D because it is awesome. All right. (laughs) 
your, one of your favorite topics, Irv Smith Jr. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Seems, yeah, we're going in just a bit of a quick hitter here uh, with because uh, OTA is going on and a few. There's been a few developments, and uh, since uh, Irv Smith was the first guy that I featured um, a little while ago on breakout players, um, and uh, that uh, again the, the the vibe, the the talk about Irv Smith and the role he's going to have in the Vikings offense in 2022. Uh, we continue to hear noise about that, um, and you know, the, the Kevin O'Connell has, has been mentioned him specifically a couple, you know, a few times so far mm-hmm. in the off season, and including during the OTAs. We know that uh, Dalvin Cook and other teammates are sound really stoked to have him back and healthy, and and uh, Kevin Seifert with ESPN, who's now the the Vikings um, beat writer on ESPN. He, mm-hmm. he had a, a, a column a couple of days ago, focusing and looking at uh, Irv Smith and what his role might be with the, the Minnesota Vikings in 2022. And uh, really, so, you know, what's a breakout to me, what's a breakout year, David, for Irv Smith in 2022? I don't think it is, you know, he's going to get Travis Kelsey numbers, 90, catch, 90 plus catches, you know, over a thousand yards uh, and That's that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, Especially with all the other weapons we have. Well, exactly. And, mm-hmm. you know, if if Irv Smith was getting that amount of, of volume, I'd be a bit worried about the Vikings offense because I'd be wondering, well, what the hell is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne and Dalvin cook doing? How come, you know, they are more of the centerpieces. So that would be a question I would have. You know, you got to think those guys might be hurt or things just aren't going right. Either that or scored 50 points a game, baby. Yeah, 1998 all over again. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, a breakout year for Irv Smith, considering he's only, you know, never had just north of 30 catches his two years that he did uh-huh. play. I, you know, I think that a breakout year for, for Irv Smith is, you know, he gets this six around 60 catches or so, but you know, Tyler Conklin had 61 this year. So everybody's going to say, well, what's the big deal? Well, with me, Irv Smith, it'd be more quantity over quality. So yeah, he gets his 60 catches, but he's more explosive with the catches than Conklin mm-hmm. was more yards after the catch more yards, you know, uh, just when he catches the ball and more red zone targets and more touchdown catches because Conklin only had three last year. I think, you know, if, if Irv Smith gets seven, eight or nine with the 60 and, and, and he's more explosive and has, you know, a higher average yard per catch average, uh, then to me that he's fulfilling that role in the offense and having a breakout year because, you know, he's getting those numbers. And then again, you know, the, uh, the opposing defenses have got to deal with Justin Jefferson. They got to deal mm-hmm. with Dalvin Cook. They got to deal with Adam Thielen. They got to deal with, with KJ Osborne. Uh, all of those things. So yeah. to me, that's, and if Kirk that's threw what a breakout five touchdowns last year, you add those touchdowns onto some of that 35, because I don't think that'll go down. And you're scoring 40 plus touchdowns. 
And if we're lucky, close to 50-plus touchdowns. And then we're getting close to that 40 to 50 points a game, baby! <laughs> That's right. Yeah, which will be mean a lot of W's for the Vikings if that, mm-hmm. that goes down. But to me, that's what a breakout year for Irv Smith looks like. And, you know, I don't think he has to get 80 catches or, you know, 75 to 85 catches next year to, to be the tight end we want him to be. I think, he, you know, he just got to do a lot with the catches he does get, with the touches he does get, and be just one of many weapons that we're utilizing on a regular basis with this new offense and this new offensive-minded coach. That's that's what I'm looking for from Irv Smith. Not huge volume numbers, but nice quantity. Quality. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Quality to go with the quantity. Gotcha. Well, that moves us on to the next little tidbit. Your magical mystery tour. (laughs) With, yes, last year's magical mystery tour with Kellen Mond. Um, We we know last year, David, that Kellen Mond had a very disappointing rookie season. uh, Looked terrible out there when he did play, you know, to be frank. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't provide me with, he he showed me nothing. Uh, He he was a guy that I was very happy the Vikings drafted in the third round, and I had high hopes for him. And after watching him as a rookie, I had very low hopes for him. But now we're starting to find out uh, maybe there were some other reasons why he struggled as a Viking, as a rookie, uh, you've got one of the tweets from Chris Thomason. On and there was a whole slew of them, folks. Yeah, um, and uh, we, we know Thomason loved this because he's sticking it to Zimmer uh-huh. <laughs> so, yes. with, with, with these tweets. But, you know, like a, we're running from Mond and from Mom's dad, Mond's dad. And again, you know, you got to take the source as it were. As it were. Obviously, Kellen Mond's dad is not going to be too favorable, is going to, you know, show a lot of love to his son. Well, hey, uh, now, but, I, I have a question and I stuck it in the description. What is it with dads now becoming involved? Whether we've had it a few times. Where the dad says, well, this is what actually happened. The dad said, the dad said, the dad, the press goes to the dad because the dad said, dad said, that never used to happen. Did you ever hear, uh, Kyle, uh, um, Alzado, you know, they call me the assassin that his dad says, the press is picking on him because he hits too hard. No, you didn't <laughs> hear that sort of shit. Man up. If you got an issue, you got an issue. At least Kellen Mond says, hey, I've got an issue. This is what happened. I didn't get exactly what I was originally promised by Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer obviously didn't want me. I got COVID. I didn't get the, you know, the shot, which obviously Mike Zimmer we lauded for being a huge advocate for. Um, he didn't get the shot. Because he got COVID, he lost 15 pounds in muscle mass. Right, which is a lot. Sick, which is a lot, and he got weak, and his throws were extremely weak. Right, so he was basically injured, for all intents and purposes. You, if your kicker pulls a hammy, you're not going to go out there, and he can only kick thirty-yard field goals. You're not going to go out there and bitch about him because he can't hit a fifty-yarder because you know he's hurt. Kellen Mond was hurt last year because he lost so much weight. He was in a weakened state. He now needs to recover. That has happened over the offseason. He's back up. He's stronger. He's better. He's put that weight back on. So for on a physical 
um, reasoning, it makes sense that he sat because he couldn't do it. He was physically not strong enough and well enough to take over. And everybody complains that we didn't get, well, at least we didn't get to, you know, we wanted to see him, see what he's got. Would you want to see a field goal kicker kick with a, you know, a torn hammy? No, you want to see him kick healthy. We now get to see him healthy. And from what I gather, what's happening at camp, he's looking pretty good and he's making decisions. The big part of this, right, Drew, with your mind yep. and your brain and your head, he's making those decisions a lot faster. And that, so what comes with coming into the pros that you learn that the game is so super fast when it starts to become instinctual and everything slows way down. That's a good thing. And I guess from what I hear, the reports we're hearing out of Egan, that is actually what is happening and that he is actually in the running to take over Mannion's job as number two quarterback. That would be awesome, uh, but, but to, David, you know that these these tweets and the things that Kellamond mm-hmm. himself said. Uh, when you're, you know, imagine you know, Kellamond was a very accomplished college player at Texas A and M, and uh, very experienced. Played a ton of games, played a ton of football. Didn't always play great football in some games, but mm-hmm. uh, even so, you know, he's coming in. Can you? If you're a rookie, you're imagine you're a rookie, you're going into a very cutthroat league, you're trying to find your way as a professional. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm sure like 99.9% of rookies, no matter how co- accomplished they were at college, they got to come into the, at the pros with some doubts about what their future is going to be, what their career is going to look like at the pro level, because they are playing against the best of the best at this point. They're playing against guys who are playing on Sundays all the time, not at college where they're playing against a lot of guys who are not going to be playing on Sundays anymore. Right. So you've got that as Calamond. So how is you, how are you going to feel if you're trying to find your way as a rookie and you know your head coach <laughs> like holds a grudge against you because you got COVID and weren't vaccinated and also didn't want you to be, you know, that he didn't want to draft you in the first place and he doesn't even talk to you the whole year. Right, because like, he's trying to stick it to Rick Spielman. Uh, that's, that's the uh, frailties of the human being holding the grudges. This is stuff that should have never happened, especially by men this age, right? Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm, that doesn't excuse, uh, like, totally Mon's poor play. I mean, you, you, you got to have mental toughness as an athlete. You got to know things aren't going to go right at the pro level. You got to know you're going to be challenged at the pro level. But it didn't help Mon that his head coach, Again, did invested absolutely no energy or in him at all. It also makes you wonder, as I've said before, like how much development was he actually getting from the rest of the staff? Uh, right. And, you would at least think quarterbacks, coach, offensive coordinator, yeah. and stuff like that would have been deep into training him. You know, they could be focused on the day to day stuff with Kirk Cousins, even with Sean Mannion as the backup and putting in the plan. But they should have. You know, set aside an extra hour a day or whatever it is for Kellen Mon QB school. If anything, you know, hey, you yeah. may not be strong now because you're weak because you had COVID and stuff, but here, let's teach you the concepts. Let's teach you the decision making. You know, you can still take a snap 
and come back, look around. What happens if this linebacker drops this way? Or, you know, what are the reads? And go through all those steps to help him grow. You would want the head coach to also partake in that. But you expect at least, like I said, the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, and any other coaches that are involved in that to do that. And it just didn't seem to happen. No, and uh, so it's it's I think that played a part in Mon's rookie year and, and his struggles wasn't the complete reason for that, but it certainly didn't help. And but what I, but will what will help is this year he actually has a head coach who again like Irv Smith has specifically mentioned and gone out of his way to talk about Kellen Mond. Uh, and is, an, again, an offensive-minded head coach who I think has got a plan for developing Mond, and they're going to invest the time and resources needed to see what they have in Mond. Uh, that wasn't happening last year, and so I think, if nothing else, that's a 100% better than what, uh, for the, than what Mond was dealing with last year, and it's got to help him develop as a professional in year two. And again, they've told him that he has a shot at the backup job. I don't think he ever got told that last year. Uh, so I think there's a lot of positives right now, like off the field for Kalamond that will, uh, will, you know, basically there's no excuses for him either this year mm-hmm. if he plays poorly because he's got the backing of the coaching staff, something he didn't have last year. And he seems like he's in a much better uh, like mental headspace than he was as a rookie. Uh, again, uh, Drew mentioned a comment about it's concerning with the, the level of playing in the SEC that he, he looked as bad as he did last year as a rookie. Uh, Mac Jones didn't look like that. <laughs> Mac Jones looked like he belonged from the get-go. Right. Kellen Mond did not. But I think everybody considered Mond was more of a developmental guy than, than Mac Jones anyway. But right. just I feel much better about Mond's chances of – developing and that the the Vikings will get the best out of him, whatever that is this year, than what happened last year. And part of it is because of, again, that he's got the backing, at least right now, of the coaching staff and is not being ignored by the coaching staff. Last year, neither of those things were the case. Right, because the head coach and the GM were pissing at each other and just discussed. And Joseph, you're right. They only had time to script for first 20 plays. That seems ridiculous to me. you got a whole freaking book of them. Um, you should be able to come up with a whole bunch of them and then a bunch of new ones on top of that, knowing you know how you did your scout on whatever team. Let's see if this works. Da-da-da. And it seemed dysfunctional on the offensive side that only 15 to 20 plays. G-Mac, good to see you, buddy. Well, I think Kellen is a lot happier, and uh, that does it for our written topics of the day. Everybody that's watching, listening, please smash that like button. Subscribe if you already have it. Ring the damn bell so you get every update of Climbing the Pocket. Climbing the Pocket is slowing down. It's the off-season. <laughs> We expect that. We have some guys that are avid doing work and others that are just, you know, not as much as I, Dave, the producer, would like. So, but I do have an announcement on shows next week. So far, 
And that Hardest is, working man in show business. And, uh, and that is Tyler Fornis. The real Forno will not have a live show on Monday. He is going to try to record something, but he will not have a live show on Monday. If he records something, we will put it up. He's got some things going on. It is the Memorial Day weekend. And remember, Memorial Day, as much as you want to say thanks for your service, is not for those that served. It is for those that died while serving in combat. I have a few friends that are on that list. Ted Glover, who's heading up to Canada, if he's not there already, or I know has a few friends on that list as well. It is, uh, it is a sort of a rough day for us. Because we remember those guys, but those guys would want you uh, not only to remember them, but to also go out and have a great time. Drink beer, you know, have a barbecue, have some hot dogs, hamburgers, grill a steak, you know, have some fried walleye. It is fishing season. Or go play an awesome round of golf. And if you're thirsty, like Monster Beer. Honest, that's what it's for. Have you got any plans this weekend? I know it's not Memorial Day up, up in Canada. Oh, I remember tomorrow I'm uh, tomorrow I'm hoping to get out and play a little bit of tennis, actually. Ooh. So stay in tennis safe. season. Tennis season. Gotta get I went out this week and uh, the uh, the rust was uh, evident. Very very evident. So I haven't played gotta, tennis in decades. And I've got a tournament tennis tournament next weekend and uh i ain't going in it if i play like i did on thursday he's <laughs> going the old fart category old and uh, rusty there is, there is none there so, is none okay no i gotta play against 15 year olds or 50 year olds <laughs> just whoever comes my way okay gotcha anyway so that's that's my plans for tomorrow that should be fun hey everybody have a great weekend what do we say darren we say, Dave, we say Skull Vikings. That's what we say. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.